Welcome to the Shannon Plan. This is episode 104. Gosh, I think we started this bad boy maybe two seasons ago. So we are going along strong. Uh, 49ers have a preseason game, their final preseason game uh, tomorrow on Thursday. So we will see the starters for maybe a full half, maybe a couple drives. Kyle Shannon was just on KNBR talking about that. Uh, we, we might talk a little bit about the preseason game. Uh, but we will start with, uh, we're going to talk about Mike McGlinchey, we're going to talk about the offensive line, uh, George Kittle getting out in front of some news, and then some potential um, some potential props down the line. Let's start with, oh, first of all, Akash, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing fantastic, man. I was going to say the 49ers need a dress rehearsal. You and I do not. We've been doing this for a hot minute, so we just jump into it. That's what we do, man. No fluff, no filter. Let's get right into it. Um are you ready for the season to start? Let's let's start there. I am so excited. I, I don't know about you. I know you do this every week. If you get like halfway through the All-22, it's just like I don't even recognize some of the guys. Like I have to look up like who's number six, like making plays, or who's like number 49 missing tackles. I'm like, I don't even know half the guys in the roster. So I can't wait for the regular season to get the starters back in and and watch, you know, the All-Pros on this team and, and not some of the practice squad guys. Yeah, and, and that's not talking down on them, but, but come November, come December, are we really going to be talking about Quantrez Knight? Are we really going to be talking about um, the like not maybe even Jordan Mason or uh, Malik Turner? Some of these guys who they're they're flashing in the preseason, but the 49ers are loaded. They have stars all over the place, and ideally, uh, we don't have to hear from those young guys right away. With that said, Jordan Mason is pretty impressive for a preseason guy. Um, okay, let's talk about the offensive line, and let's start with Mike McGlinchey. So, Kyle Shanahan on Tuesday, he said that he is optimistic about Mike McGlinchey's return. That is a good sign. However, he also said that the team, like the team, is going to essentially shut him down. So, McGlinchey, here's here's his quote. They're pretty optimistic about it, you know, when, you know, we took it real slow with them and then he had that setback in the game um, that was, you know, it wasn't the exact same injury, but it was still on the same leg. Um, so we wanted to take it slow with them and we rested them last week. We're going to rest them this week and we'll ramp them up next week and see how the pain tolerance is. Nothing about those few sentences uh, should be, should come off as optimistic. I think Shannon's just, you know, he's saying the things that we want to hear, but when you have to shut a player down, before they even start to play in August, coming off the season in uh, season ending injury, uh, knowing that, you know, McG I don't McGlinchey's far from injury prone, but you know, he did miss some games in 2019. You can't ignore that. And of course, as I just mentioned, you know, coming off the season ending injury, where's the worry meter? Where's the panic meter here for McGlinchey? Panic meter is probably at like a seven. And, you know, part of that's due to the nature of his injury, which, you know, is a, was a torn quad, which most athletes just don't return from in the NFL. So he was able to successfully have his recovery come back. And now he's having knee soreness, which is probably tied to the quad tendon. I'm no doctor, no medical expert, but it feels like those two things are, are tied together. And I think the other half of the worry comes from who's behind McGlinchey, right? The, the 49ers added a ton of depth. It felt like an interior offensive line because they were just trying to throw bodies there and see you know, have some competition and see who comes out of that pack. But at the same time, at tackle behind Mike 
behind Mike McGlinchey and Trent Williams, it's really just Colton McKivitz and Justin Skule and Jalen Moore a little bit, but I know Jalen Moore is banged up. And so it's like, is Colton McKivitz starting week one and week two? And, you know, especially as the season goes on, that's not ideal because the drop-off in play between McGlinchey and McKivitz is steep. And I know social media and foreign fans, they love to, you know, find the place where McGlinchey's screwing up. But, oh, man, is he better than McKivitz? Yeah, man. So Aaron Banks, Jake Brindle, Spencer Burford, those are three new starters that you're going to have to break in. And who knows if Mike McGlinchey is going to be ready for week one. So if the, the 49ers and Colt McKivitz has been around for a, a little while, but the drop off from McGlinchey to Colt McKivitz, who was a guard, now is a swing tackle. Day three pick. We've seen him play. Like we don't have to guess who Colton McKivitz is. Like we know what he is as a player. And when he's been on the field, it has not always been pretty. So um, I understand that Kyle Shannon can scheme around a lot. And there are just, again, the, the talent at the skill positions should allow the 49ers to get away with a lot. But when he was on the field in last year, uh, for example, like he was missing blocks left and right. Yep. Uh, gave gave up two sacks in just a very small sample size. He had 36 passing snaps, Colton McKivitz, last year and gave up two sacks. And I'm sure he gave up like some, you know, other pressures and whatnot, but that should not instill confidence. And I, I, I wonder if this if they're shutting him down now, knowing that they still have a few more weeks to ramp uh, Mike McGlinchey up. Do you think he plays week one? Yes or no? I'm going to lean no. Just because of the nature of the injury, just because of the fact that they've quote unquote shut him down, right? It's not like he's doing like side field work. Um, I just don't feel entirely confident. And I'm sure the 49ers are looking at it from a big picture perspective. They're thinking 17 games, they're thinking playoffs, right? And so they're not focused on, okay, we have to have McGlinchey week one. They're probably trying to put him on a plan that tries to keep him healthy for the majority of the season. And so I would imagine they're trying not to rush it. And so there's a possibility I don't think we see him out there week one, which, again, against the Bears, week one, like whatever, probably not the biggest deal. You could probably scheme around it. You've got enough talent. You're the better team. But once you hit that middle stretch of the season where you're playing the Broncos, the Rams, some of the teams, some of these teams that have better pass rushing talent, it's just going to be it's going to be more noticeable, the difference in the two. Yeah, you can get away with not playing McGlinchey against a team like the Bears and the Seahawks who don't have you know, just those predominant pass rushers that exist on seemingly every team nowadays. But even the next week, once you get to the Broncos, like Randy Gregory was very good last year. And the Broncos are just going to be uh, obviously that Bradley Chubb too. You would think that that's when you want to, you know, have your best lineman out there. So good news. Kyle Shannon this morning said, Charvarius Ward will return to practice. Emmanuel Mosley already returned to practice. So they have their cornerbacks back. But as you said, it is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Still, though, you want to get as many reps as McGlinchey playing next to Burford, Spencer Burford, the right guard, because he um, has to, you know, he has to learn the ropes, too. I was I was watching him just this last game against the Vikings, and I thought he, it's evident that he's a very good athlete. It's evident that he is just very, very strong. He is tough to move. He has a great anchor. But there are times where Burford – has not seen looks. There are going to be times in the season he could study as much as he wants to. There's going to be 
things that defenses throw at him that Burford hasn't seen, and he's probably going to make a mistake. Those mistakes will be magnified with Colton McKivitz at right tackle, and that is the worry. It's not so much McKivitz. It's McKivitz not helping out or not picking up the rookie day three pick next to him. And that's what I would be worried about. So uh, it'll be a work in progress again. I mean, they have so many good skill players. They have so much speed. And I mean, their play caller is one of the best in the NFL too, that they should be able to get by with McKivitz there for a couple of games. Shoot. They got by with Tom Compton there for half a season and they made, uh, they came pretty close to making the Super Bowl. but uh, for Trey Lance's sake, you know, you want McGlinchey out there. So uh, keeping it offensive line, Aaron Banks, he struggled last preseason game. And we talked about this a little bit before. I don't know how much to take away from the preseason just because like these young guys have to play. And, and I just mentioned Burford hasn't seen some looks. There are plays where Banks struggles to, I guess, his athleticism isn't the same as Burford. I guess that's the easiest way to put it. And he doesn't move as well. He just looks lumbering. And there are plays where he just falls flat on his face and just whiffs. But... I understand that he's going to look a lot better come the regular season because of who's playing next to him. Left tackle, Trent Williams, best in the game. So I'm a little torn on what to think about Burford, but, or sorry, with Banks, but I don't know if this is true or not. If he's, if he's going back and forth trading reps with Jason Poe, uh, who has been the 49ers darling of the week on uh, social media, because I mean, Poe is fun to watch. He 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 does make a lot of plays. He is very undersized, though, and that would be something. Um, it's just something to keep an eye on. I mean, the Vikings took advantage of his height. Do you think there's any shot that Poe you know, upends Banks at guard? I don't think he upends him at guard, but I think there's a chance he makes a team. And you and I talked about this before we hit hit record. Is there a shot that Jason Poe makes a 53-man roster, or is he just talented enough where if he waived him or released him that he gets picked up? claimed by another team and I feel like he's a claimable player just because just because of his athleticism and I think that's the most interesting part about Aaron Banks is you mentioned Spencer Burford athlete obvious right the way he moves um the way he you know holds his own and that's just the thing that just doesn't jump off doesn't jump off the screen about Aaron Banks especially for a second round pick a player that the 49ers traded up for at pick 48 he just isn't the same level of athlete that I think um, we're used to seeing out of their offensive linemen. And, and I get it. It's not necessarily required at guard, but he just doesn't he – does, he almost doesn't look as comfortable as Burford does on the other side to me. Do you agree with that? Yeah, and that's, that is concerning, and not just because, you know, he's a second-round pick, but because he is the left guard, and they, they kind of handed it to him. So they're, this is him, and there will be mistakes from Burford, Banks, and that was going to always be the case, but – Early on, I, I you can tell. So Burford has already corrected some of his mistakes. Like he's not making the same mistake twice. And I saw Banks do that. So again, the looks at, that are going to be thrown at the young guys, especially Lance too, like he's first year starting quarterback. Uh, we're going to see a lot more exotic looks, I imagine, from defenses just to do whatever they can to throw the 49ers off. Okay, Mike Silver, George Kittle. He Silver wrote a, a good article. And I, I know Silver because of <laughs> because of the whole arm fatigue people are kind of out on him but he he has good content so he spoke to uh fortnite side and george kittle and he, they were talking about a potential contract uh restructure after this season and kittle said quote i'm not really concerned with it at all i could give two 
this, honestly. If there comes a day when they feel like that, it is what it is, and it's a business. I know there's a right way and a wrong way to play football, and I'm going to play it the way I think is right. You're never going to be able to question my intent, my effort on tape. Whoever it is wants to do that, give me money. I think somebody will want to do that. Hopefully, it's the 49ers because I love being here. I love everything about this organization. I think they're built a fantastic team with high character guys. One thing I've learned is you don't really want dickheads on your team. And we have we have not had a lot of dickheads or they've gotten rid of dickheads pretty quickly. And I've really appreciated that. So, and again, we've talked about this a little bit before you get on here. It seems like Kittle is getting out in front of the narrative for an eventual restructure. I'm not so sure Kittle is aware of what restructure is. What by hearing that quote, and let let's stick to the the restructure, restructure part of it. That, what was your takeaway? <laughs> I think it's just what you mentioned there, and I'm going to give George Kittle the benefit of the doubt. But I think as soon as he heard restructure, obviously I don't know what Mike Silver asked him or what you know the wording in the question was, but I think he assumed it was a pay cut and and or a release, which. Again, I don't think necessarily is the case. And if you take a look at his contract, it, the cap hit does jump from this season to next season significantly. His cap hit this season is $7.4 million. It's going to be about $18 million next year. And the only change there is his base salary. He has a fully guaranteed base salary this year, a million dollars. Next year, it's a non-guaranteed $11 million. And I think maybe it guarantees if he's on like the roster day one of the league year or something. But, you know, if the 49ers were to cut him, which – isn't possible next year. They would be eating $16 million and they'd only save $1.8 million against the cap. So it doesn't make any sense to release him, especially if this season he proves to be, you know, still one of the best tight ends in the league. If he stays healthy, plays the majority of the season like he did last year, it just doesn't make sense from a value standpoint, especially because you've got a quarterback on a rookie contract. You're going to have the cap space. The 49ers don't have a reason to be penny pinching at this point. And I think he heard restructure and he's like, oh man, I'm going to be losing money, et cetera. A restructure does not mean a pay cut. A restructure just means they, you know, financially for the salary cap, they move some money around. Actually, it probably behooves George Kittle because it means he's probably going to be on the team longer because of a restructure, yes. right? Look at D Ford, for example, they restructured his contract multiple times and it was immovable. It was like uncuttable. Um, and all they do is they just take the base salary and they guarantee it. So he'll get his $11 million dollars. And then they'll prorate the cap hit across, you know, how many ever years is, is left on his contract to lower his cap hit in 2023. But he gets the $11 million up front. So it's no change to him. So I think I just feel like he was mixing up the, the situation there and and uh, was trying to get out in front of his release. But it is interesting because he is going to turn 30 next year. And so he's one of the older players on the team. You know, he's not in the Debo Ayuk. Um Fred Warner kind of category who those guys are in their mid twenties. Kittle's a little bit on the older side, right? I think he was a three or four year starter at Iowa. And obviously he was drafted in 17, the first year of this group. So he's been, he's been around for a while. And so he's, he's on the older end uh, of this group. So maybe he sees his time with the 49ers coming to an end, but I, I don't think, I think that's a little premature. If he's, if he has a productive season, I think he's, he's just good. His roster spot is just fine. Yeah. He turns 29 in October. Uh, Kittle would have to like drop every pass, miss 15 games, and just start missing every block for the team to cut him. If if they were to restructure him, um, the team would save eight million in cap space, roughly eight million in cap space over the next few years, and then six point six million 
come 2025. So that that would just be, I imagine they would approach Kittle for a restructure if there is a free agent out there who they feel like they can afford and need to move some money around. That does not mean the team is going to get rid of one of the best tight ends to play in the last few years. Um, they did that with Eric Armstead, right, recently. Yeah. I think this past season they did it to help free some money. So they've been doing it with some of their higher money players when their big cap hits hit and it's just it's just part of the deal i don't it has no impact on his roster status so let's talk about the other portion when he was talking about the heads on the team and so that that goes to the type of culture um who do you think he was talking about is what i want to know i was just thinking that i was like who did they release that that would uh have that type of personality and honestly i couldn't come up with a name just because like who have they let walk up free agency? I mean, they've had like some- obviously DJ Jones and uh, Lake and Tomlinson were the opposite of that, so yeah. they don't count. Right, right. And I was I was just thinking like years before that, like you know they I know that on the defensive side of the wall they've let Kwaski Tart walk. Um, Doesn't count. Akello was the Akello. one that came to mind. Um, um, I, I thought Richard Sherman, was... but he was you know not dead, but he was you know a more had a more loud personality, I'd say. But by the time he came to the 49ers, he was he was one of their like core leaders. So I, I don't think he's talking about him. Maybe he's talking about earlier on in training camps, like lower, um, you know, fringe roster guys. But yeah, it's tough to imagine who we'd be talking about. I would maybe, <laughs> George, we need to get you on here so you can tell us who you're talking about. How about that? So we don't have to play uh, any guessing games. Um, okay, let's talk about Javon Kinlaw and Drake Jackson. So uh, you were talking about watching these preseason games and getting halfway through and not knowing any of the players. Kinlaw and Drake Jackson have been impressive when they played. Kinlaw's playing, I mean, he's not playing a lot. He's played, he played 20 snaps, I believe, last week. But, uh, you know, he's coming off a season-ending injury as well. So he has to play himself into shape. And I think it's a great sign that he is playing. And he's, he's making plays – as the game goes along, and D'Amico Ryans was talking a little bit about it, what, you know, he's, he said he, he's impressed with his pad level. He said that he's playing more instinctive, which I thought was uh, probably the be- the biggest compliment that he could get, where he's, he's just kind of reacting and finishing, which matters. And then Drake Jackson, his athleticism speaks for itself. He's probably going to have, you know, a quote-unquote wild clip every week once he gets out there. My question, more sacks in 2022. Drake Jackson, Javon Kinlaw, and two completely different positions. They will be asked to do different things. Drake Jackson might be able to line up inside every now and then, uh, a la Arden Key from last year. So if he's able to do that, he might be able to steal some sacks. Javon Kinlaw, if he is playing himself into shape, it's going to be tough to pull him off the field if he's pushing the pocket. So he might be the beneficiary of some sacks. Just by, you know, the quarterback having to step up in the pocket and running away from number 97. So uh, the argument could go both ways. I know it's in, you know, statistically edge rushers just have more sacks in general than defensive tackles. So that might be uh, the answer there. But Kinlaw is a top 15 pick, man. Like eventually you'd think he's going to put one of those, um, you know, first round pick type of seasons together. So what is your answer? And I guess maybe a better question is what is the number? That's tough because I think, like you mentioned, naturally you think, okay, edge rushers, 
are just going to have more sacks than the interior defensive linemen, right? Because if, if Javon Kinlaw pushes the pocket, quarterback escapes either right or left, he's walking into one of these edge rushers. And we've seen those type of sacks a lot, right, where, you, where it's just pressure up the middle and Javon Kinlaw creates the sack, but he doesn't get credited with it when the stat comes out. So I, I'm going to lean Drake Jackson, uh, but I think it's going to be closer than people imagine. And I think that's mostly because of the edge rushing talent on this team. I think they're deep as hell at the position. And then Drake Jackson just being young, I think he's going to play less early on in the season, and then he's just going to play more as the season goes on. And so I think by the end of the season, I think Jackson's just going to end up with more. I think he's going to be closer than people think. I'm going to put the number at five. Now, if I was to say over under five for both of those players, right, would you would you take the over on both players? Would you take the over on one player, under on both players? If I had to, um, I said five sacks. Javon Kinlaw has one and a half in his life. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, there's evidence of Kinlaw not producing, and I know he's been injured. I know, you know, he had the COVID year, was his rookie year, so he didn't really have an offseason to work. And obviously he didn't get a play with Bosa that year. There are a lot of variables and factors that go into this number. I think five is a good number. It's probably going to be a push. I think it'll be it'll look like both in the double digits, uh, Armstead 20. hovering right around 10, <laughs> 20. <laughs> and then there are going to be so many other people where we're talking. Um, I mean, Samson Ebukam had five last year, and a lot of those came in the back half of the year. If he plays a full 17, I mean, is he getting anywhere close to double digits? Yeah, I, I would, I would say Ebukam is probably the real runner-up uh, to the the top two. But I think we're going to see so many five, four and a half, three and a half, four and a half. All these guys are probably going to rack up a bunch of, or not a bunch, but just like a handful or in that area of sacks. So I would say push, man, which is a super cop out answer. But I, I don't know the answer. I think again. I'm going to go Bosa, Armstead, Ebukam, and then the field. I wouldn't be surprised if Charles Aminu has more than both of those players, honestly. I, I think he's a guy who who has earned snaps, and he's going to be playing inside and outside too. And, I mean, again, if you're on the field with Bosa, man, you're you're going to run into some sacks eventually. And, and not just Bosa, like Armstead. We're talking about Armstead like he was just – um, some leftover. He was an all pro down the, down the second half of the stretch. So uh, it'll be fun. Like they have, they can come at you in waves and like hockey shifts, which is very tough to you. And, and all that's going to do is allow Bosa to be fresh in the fourth quarter, Armstead to be fresh come November. So maybe Bosa and Armstead don't have as many sacks because, you know, they're not playing as much in the 49ers. Hopefully they're uh, in blowouts. So these younger guys are getting more and more snaps. All right. Last thing before you get out of here. Uh, final preseason game. Uh, as, as we said, the starters are probably going to play um, a quarter and a half. Let's just say that. Get a few drives. Um, if, it, if it does leak into the second quarter, so be it. But um, is there going to be any real takeaway? One thing you're watching for, um, a player who is kind of a make or break heading into this one. Like, What do you want to see on Thursday? We'll go both sides of the ball. I think on the offensive side of the ball, really want to see what happens in the running back room. Trey Sermon is just hasn't looked particularly good. I know there was some debate over, you know, did he have room to run um, last week? You know, how well did the offensive line protect? But he still just seemed a little indecisive. And so can he come in and put on a show? Is there is this the week where, you know, he's like, okay, I'm here to stay. I've got my roster spot. Like that's not in question. 
et cetera, or do guys like Ty Davis price and Jordan Mason really push that even if, even if there's things happening behind the scenes that we don't necessarily get to see. So interested to see that on the offensive side of the ball, defensive side of the ball, it's in the cornerback room. And I think obviously the top two are established, right. In Traveris Ward and Emmanuel Mosley and Samuel Womack. But beyond that, who's making this team, right? What's, what's going to happen to Diamondor Lenore? What's going to happen to Ambry Thomas? I know Kyle Shanahan just wants to see Thomas fight for a roster spot, but what's going to happen to these guys or Terry Castro fields, uh, the rookie that they drafted this year, how does how does that competition shake out? And I think again, Saturday or sorry, Thursday is going to be a good indication of how that goes down. I I've gone back and forth on you know do they keep a fifth running back or a sixth running back or do they keep a sixth or seventh wide receiver? I think what Malik Turner did against the Vikings and not just catching you know first downs in the in the two minute drill, but forcing a fumble that pretty much seals his fate to make the roster in a good way. But other than that, you know, it seems like most of the positions are set and Kyle Shanahan said as much. Uh, sure. Like they're going to, I imagine if Jason, assuming Jason Rett starts the season on the pup list, they'll probably just keep an extra safety since that's what Dante, John, Dante Johnson is now anyway. And they can play George Odom in the slot. Um, we'll see if I, I am interested to see if we see Samuel Womack play on the outside. But other than that, I don't think there's much to take away. You know, I want to see the, they've pretty much the offense we've seen, like it's going to be more aggressive. They're going to throw the ball down the field. Uh, there's going to be more of a mix of the type of runs that they use. But I don't I don't think anything else is uh, is too surprising for me. I, obviously, I just want everybody to stay healthy. Um, I want to see how they continue to use uh, Danny Gray and Ray McLeod. Uh, I don't, he didn't play last week, did he? Um, I think, I think so. Raymond McLeod might have a bigger role than some people uh, believe as well. So especially I think maybe that's the thing. One of these running backs, if they keep um, they were underwhelming last week. And I know Jordan Mason had a really good fourth quarter, but I, I feel like outside of the one TDP play where he you know ran a bunch of people over, I, I think they are young and they're showing it and they're leaving yards on the field. And that cannot happen. So uh, that's what I'm going to be looking for. But again, just as you said, this doesn't matter. Um, come week one against the Bears, like that's when you know we'll really see who this team is. And I think uh, Shanahan's going to come out with some fireworks. And I, even if Mike McGlinchey doesn't play, I don't think that's going to. I think he has so much confidence in the guys on the field still that he's going to be uber aggressive coming out of the gates to prove that Trey Lance is his guy. And he's spoken as much that he does believe in him. And I. Um, it's pretty close to putting that, putting his money where his mouth is. Absolutely cannot wait for Thursday. All right, that'll do it for us. Thanks as always for listening. Uh, please rate, subscribe, review, leave us five stars wherever it is you get your podcasts. And always, uh, go Niners.